Welcome to Houndy, the Steel Army Podcast. I'm Dan Yost, and with me to discuss a couple of Hounds wins and some good old-fashioned Hounds news and updates, I got two, uh, two solid dudes with me here. First off, my man Vesti. Vesti, what's good, my man? Hey, doing pretty good. Uh, it's amazing what a string of wins will do for your mood. Feeling much less uh, grumpy than I did the last few times I've been on the show. Yeah, it's amazing what the three wins on the bounce and let's see outside of the last thirty seconds, three clean sheets to go along with it. Does clean sheets of, in our hearts. Yeah, because yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we'll get into that that last second goal, literally the last second goal here in a little bit. But it does. Uh, it's amazing how much we we attach our personal happiness to the hounds. Um, even though it's probably not the best way to, to live your life, but here we are on a Wednesday night recording a podcast about just the hounds and also doing that recording with us is Logan. Logan, what's good, my man? Not much. I, uh, I apologize to our, our viewership, our listenership for being out for about a month. I feel like, but, uh, back on the pod and I feel like I owe it to, uh, you guys to throw out one of my questions to start the show. There was a reason I was going to introduce you second, so I figured this was yes. coming. You ready for this? All right. So you have to play. It's just you on a team, but you have to play a seventh grade girls basketball team. Five of them, one of you, full, say, I don't know what they play, eight-minute quarters, 32-minute game. How many points are you individually scoring? Um, wait, so it, the question is, how many points am I scoring? Yes. Okay. Uh, here's here's where I think it gets difficult. Because if you win the opening tip, then you could take it down, and I would assume I, I'd even be good enough to to get a layup against the girls. The problem comes if the girl, because then I was going to say, well, you just don't play defense. You let the, you let the girls score because you're, you're just worried about how many points you score. The problem is once the girls score, you have to inbound the ball and you can't inbound it to anyone else. So either you have to play it off of one of the girls to inbound the ball, but eventually they would get smart enough just to go to the other side of the court. And you have no one to inbound the ball to because you can't do it to yourself. Fair. Fair. Uh, Yost is beating the riddle, I feel like. Yeah. So I think you're good for two. And then eventually what you're going to do, you're going to keep um, having an inbounds violation, which is going to turn the ball over. And that's the only way you're going to get the ball back in the play is, is when the when the girls can inbound it. So you're, you, you you're, had to box out four girls for a rebound. But at this point, but yeah, because every time they score, they're going to get the ball back because you can't inbound it. So you're going to need them to not to either you're going to pick up the rebound or you're going to have to uh, get a turnover somehow. All right. So here's my next question: Are the girls are the girls playing to win, or are the girls playing to give up as few points as possible? Are they aware of my situation? Uh, um, they're playing to win. Okay, and there's no shot clock, so they they have no incentive to, to score quickly here. True, true, true. If if the if the girls are well coached and they're coached, knowing that the objective is just to win and to keep me from scoring as little as possible, and 
they're going to be smart enough not to do things like let me inbound the ball off of them because there's only one of me. I also, I think I'm I think you're under 20 points. Oh, easily. I'd say a 10 is a good number. Yeah, I was going to say in the low teens if if I was feeling if I was feeling good about because you're probably not getting your own rebounds either if you shoot nah, from, no from outside. Nah, no chance. You're catching a seventh grade elbow to the to jaws if you try to come in the paint. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I, you know what? It's in the low teens, I think. All right, so about where I am. Uh, I am gonna say I'm gonna lucky to get two. I am god awful at basketball. And yeah, I suck. Yeah, I'm. I am. I am pretty terrible. Uh, and since we, we we're talking seventh grade, right? So they're using mm-hmm. their full height uh, hoops. So like, I don't even get like any extra. Can I dunk on like an eight foot hoop or something like that? Such a not, such a such a white guy thing there. <laughs> dunking, dunking on lowered rims. I like the well, that's, that's way I'm getting dunk points. on an eight foot hoop because I would never assume that I could dunk on an eight foot hoop. I mean, I'm what my wingspan above my head might be like seven and a half feet, if that, and I would would be impressed if I could get up over six inches off the ground. I mean, I'm I'm six two, and so with my arm, that's probably getting me close to nine. Yeah, I, I true, think I could, true. I could make the eight foot, but. uh that's a couple grades too early for for this scenario. So <laughs> uh, I'm gonna probably airball everything and just absolutely See, if, embarrass if, if myself. If you just run down the court and just try to throw one up, I feel like yeah, in a, in a 32 minute game, you you at least get one or two to go in at some point. I think yeah, no, everything everything you're doing is, is layups at this point. You're not shooting anything from outside because you never get the rebound. A layup, you at least have a chance to get it back if you miss it. Well, now that our brains are warmed up, we're ready yeah. to talk. <laughs> now I'm going to try to switch back to the. Wait, hold on. Vesti never. You never. Did you answer the question? You said two. I only be lucky to get two. Okay. Like I, I, I am not. I got more that, faith in you than that, that. Confident. I would. I would take the over on two. This is like that that survey that came out early in the year where men were overconfident in like getting a point against Serena Williams. I am not confident. Oh, there's no way scoring points. Those people are idiots. Yeah. Well, see, I I'm not confident even about. High school basketball. I don't even feel like it's Serena Williams who is like one of the greatest athletes of all time. I feel like any, you know, I hate to, you know, I don't want to get in that that line, but any, you know, why we have to make it female, but you're never going to return a serve against any female professional tennis player. Like it's just not going to happen. It, it, any, any, I would say any woman in the top 100. You, you're not. Oh, easily. The only way you're getting a point. Yeah, there's no chance. Unless they somehow, yeah, double fault. Or that's, yeah, double fault was, was the only way you're getting a point. Yeah, because, yeah, unless you just, you, you threw your racket at something and you just got lucky. Then you would, you would know nothing about you. You would just get lucky. It's like I say, the guys in the major leagues that are actually major league players that bat like 175. And it's like, I feel like you could put an average athletic, like 25 year old male in there with decent hand-eye coordination and just probability, if you swing at every pitch, you could at least bat like, I don't know what, like 080, 100 maybe in the major leagues? Uh, maybe 100, maybe. If the defense plays you straight up and not doesn't doesn't account that you're just out there just hoping for anything. Yeah, true. If the, yeah, if the defense shifts knowing that you, you know, they bring, every, they bring the, the outfield in and all that kind of stuff, that, that's going down. But if they play straight up... Um, I, maybe, maybe eighty. So now we're eight, eight minutes in this podcast, and we haven't got close to the hounds yet. So, thanks, Logan. I think that's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for. Yep, that's I love it. Well, I think that uh, you know, just 
fills the time for how exciting and noteworthy that indie game is or was. Oh, is this is this our indie recap by talking about yeah. uh, getting let's, returns? Let's get to it. Yeah. <clears throat> so in the last since the last time we talked, the Hounds uh, have played two games. In those two games, they've come back with two wins, both of them at home. First was a a interesting. Can we say interesting? Ish midweek affair against Indy, one no winners. Uh, some big deep energy in the 79th minute, I think it was. Yeah, 79th minute. Yeah. And then the much more exciting 4 1 win over the Miami this past weekend with three goals from defenders. And uh, Miami popped one in, as we talked about just a little bit before, popping one in at damn near the last touch of the game to ruin the, the clean sheet and. And to make Jamali wait, really, really sad. He was really <laughs> sad about giving up that goal. Sad slash mad. I don't know. It wasn't really his fault. I mean, you can argue he shouldn't have given up that nice piece of rebound, but the goal itself, I don't think he, he could have done anything. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying he should feel bad, but he did feel bad. It's the same story. It's just every week, it's just that defense just falls apart, and they watch the ball, and they sit way too far back, and then nobody pressures the ball, and it's – it's like U10, U12 principles that they just completely forget. And even the the little layoff pass to lead to the goal, you know, never should have happened. Um, and it's, I feel like it's every single week, at least one of the goals they give up is because they didn't put pressure on the ball or they stabbed at the ball, you know, like Lap, I said, laps you know, and U, U12, yeah, U12, U14 stuff that just you cannot have happen at the professional level. I'm just, well, like, in that particular situation, too, it's up for nothing. Or, um, they probably just flipped their brains off at when uh, the clock hit 90. I'd, That's a good point. And, probably, and I mean, Devin Kerr said on the broadcast, like, Bob's going to be pissed, which obviously I'm sure he was. But I was, from I wasn't at the game, but from what they showed on the TV, just in the time that took him to like say goodbye, Bob already released the players to come do the handshake line. So it was it was maybe the quickest post game chat in in the Lily era. So I'm, I think I'm Bob, Bob traded the the shit goal for let's not kill the mood and let's just take this and ride with it. I was I was shocked. I thought for I mean it was if it was ninety seconds, I'd be surprised. I couldn't believe it. I, I was expecting a, a twenty-minute talk. I was, I sat down, looked up, and yeah, they were already coming over. I was like, "Oh, wait, what?" Yeah, because we were cleaning up the section, thinking we had plenty of time. And next thing you know, they're they're walking over. It was crazy. Did you guys see Bob do the the dig it out of your net celebration? It's, okay, so I I put- saw that. I know you <laughs> I, you brought that up on online, and because I, I saw that before that, I went, "Bob can't be talking about about oh, no, it was week's that. goal celebration." It was that. You think that's who he was talking about? 100 percent. Because as soon as he did it, Bob laughs and then like mimics it. It was it was the best thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, I, I had, enjoyed. We it. had two really good gifable moments. We had that, and then we had Albert Dequa where the guy tried to give him shit, and he told him it's three nothing with his hands. So that was also pretty <laughs> great. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we're just skipping the indie game, aren't we? We're just going straight to the fun one. Yeah. So the indie game, I'll tell a story. Okay. So I was tasked with bringing the interns from my accounting firm because we try to do a couple things a year. We used to do a Pirates game. Now it's a Riverhounds game. I won't tell you who had a hand in that. You can take a guess. Uh, but now we go to the Riverhounds game. I was the chaperone, which that's, if, if you know, listen to the podcast, that was probably not a good choice. Anyways, uh, we went. We had a good, very good dinner at Buca de Beppo. Took the interns. Uh, every single one of them 
hardcore sat in the stands through the pouring down rain for the first like 15, 20 minutes. Uh, no alcohol. We were all stone cold sober. Uh, so shout out the GYF interns. Um, they, they were really the, the real MVPs for, for that, uh, that game. Uh, and then they all, I, I gave them the chance to kind of leave at halftime and they all left at halftime. So I got to hang out with the army for the second half and see Dequa's goal. But, uh, I thought that I've, that was one of the first times I've actually ever sat in, obviously sat in the grandstand and we sat about like three rows off the field and you could hear the, the conversations with the ref and the players or the players talking shit back and forth to each other. Um, and you can actually hear like the smack of their bodies when they go up for a 50, 50 ball. So I was actually, uh, it was actually a very kind of eye-opening view because I think nobody will argue that the view from our section is from a watching the game standpoint is kind of shit. So uh, it was actually very nice to catch a game from a different angle. But yeah, the game is not going to go down as a instant classic anytime soon. And glad the Hounds got out of there with three. Yeah, that that, that game was a slog. I watched from home. Um, I really wanted to come down because it was you know, a classic midweek, rainy, proper football game. But uh, schedule-wise, it wasn't going to be in the cards. But watching it from from the couch, it was such a slog of a game. I was convinced um, in the 60th minute or so that it was going to end 0-0. I just, it's going to be one of those games where a couple shots on net and that's about it. Um, and for... 20 in the last 30 minutes, I was looking pretty good with that call. Uh, I feel like, like I'm really happy they won. I feel like the goal was a bit of a desperation. Like, you know, the, the, the organized attacks weren't working. And so the ball was bouncing around and, you know, we chested it down. I forget who bounced it over the defense and then Dequa kind of like almost like shoulder level swipe of his boot. To, to get it over the keeper. It just so sloppy. Um but I appreciate it. You know, we, we needed those three points. It was uh the the other results around the league that night went in our favor, especially if we had three points. And so it was you know, still happy for the win, but I, I I don't feel like it was a very uh good win, I guess. It was it kinda reminds you of Dequa's goal in Loudon in twenty twenty when we went down there. Kinda slipped him right through the back real quick and, and I think it was pretty close, eightieth minute. Uh, one nothing. Very, very parallel after the games. Eighth, maybe even after the yeah. eighth, that one. No, to me that was the goal that that game deserved. Kind of ugly, kind of haphazard. From from uh, the Paul Child stand in real time, I thought the ke- the keeper had a howler and just like missed something obvious and easy. It was only when I went back and watched it later that I saw it. But oh, it was kind of a broken play, but it was it was intentional by Dequa to do what he did. Yeah, but yeah, it was a it was a. It was an industrial goal for an, in, an industrial game. Um, but yeah, I was I was also convinced that we were uh, that the Hounds were were destined for for nil nil in that game. I didn't think they were going to give one up, even the classic you know shit late goal that that the Hounds have been good for lately. I didn't even see that coming. I thought it was going to be nil nil, and but it wasn't. It was a win, and a couple of us were talking at the bar because we didn't tailgate. We went to home run areas before. And a couple of us were talking, and this my way of transitioning from one game to the next. And the general consensus around the bar was they needed to win that indie game because Miami was going to be one the tougher matchup, and the 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 um, 
the harder game to, to get through. So if they were going to get points out of anything, they had to get three points against Indy because Miami was going to be a draw at best. Obviously, it didn't turn out that way, but what was your your mindset going into those two games in, in four days of of how it's going to play out, or what like what was your best case scenario, Vesti? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I felt the same way that Indy was was a must win, in this because they frankly suck this year, and and like you said, Miami. Miami's hovering around the playoff line. Like they they could go kind of either way right now, but I think most people expect them to to do well. And so you know, we're coming off this long string of bad results, and yeah, we won against Red Bulls too, but it's Red Bulls too, so it's kind of whatever. Even though Indy sucks, they're still in like a a recognizable team. You know, they're a team you want to get a result against to kind of. Um, you know, put a mark on things so i not like i didn't think it was a must win but i really if we would have lost that i would have been right back to being depressed uh, from the the six game streak once saw the weather though the, the rain um and i thought the field looked uh, something was rough with the field in that game I, I feel like it just played like it was concrete like the rain pressed somebody down. lost their their i think it was dixon he actually had a probably could have actually broke towards goal and he, he lost his footing and kind of had a bum tire, but yeah, the, the pitch was not in great shape. Yeah, like the rain like pressed down the the black pebbles or whatever, and it just like seeing the weather, the field not looking good, and then a half of really there were only chances in the first like fifteen minutes, and then that was it for the rest of the game. Uh, at, at that point, I was like, all right, it's gonna be a draw. It's not the worst thing in the world, but at least it's not a loss. Logan, what was your Hounds really own, they really the, the Hounds really own Indy in in Highmark Stadium. Their only win, I think, in franchise history for Indy is the I don't know. Can I call it illegitimate? Uh, that was it was the first COVID game, and it was like a Tuesday night at like five o'clock. They played oh, on ESPN proper, I think. The, fu- the that's the one game. where the Pasher yeah, where the one went in as they, they didn't t- call as they it. Drink. The Pasher scored. Yeah, pa- yeah, exactly. Pasher scored, and then like the ninety fifth on that howitzer. But I'll call it illegitimate because it should have been one-one, and also the ball sh- that yeah should have been one-one, sh- and someone should have fouled Pasher forty yards from yeah. From someone board. should have taken yeah taken a card exactly. Yep. But yeah, it's the only game they've won in Highmark. So the goddamn ghost of Pasher came up on the broadcast again. You can't escape that guy. Hasn't been in the league for two years. I think, now, Devin, I think. I think Devin Kerr does it on purpose. I think he no, he definitely does it on purpose. Uh, I was but, on the, the, he, he, the other on their podcast at the time we brought, we talked about. It. So him and Watts know to, they know to bring it up. He brought it up just so we could talk about the drinking game. <laughs> yeah, they know. And one note I'll make about Devin Curve as we transition into the Miami game, because Vesti and Yos, I think you both were at the game, right? Yeah, Miami, yeah. Uh, I was watching it at home, and from, like, the 75th minute to, like, the 87th minute, <laughs> Devin Kerr went on this, like, weird, like, rant about, like, how he, like – takes discipline and how he took it throughout his career and it like kind of came off as he has like a spank fetish it was this like really weird like 12 (laughs) minutes of my life where like he said he enjoyed being yelled at and it it was like because they asked him the the play-by-play guy asked him like if you're a player or if you're a coach how do you handle four nothing at the time in the locker room like you just walk to the bus and that's like the silent message do you yell at him and Devin was very adamant that he enjoyed being yelled at, and he had all these coaches that yelled at him. Um, 
and then he talked about his mom and how when he messed up with his mom and she didn't talk to him, he knew he really messed up. And yeah, it got it got very, very odd um, for the last couple of minutes there on the broadcast. I like that he keeps it. He, he doesn't get formulaic with it, though. I, I no, I, he, he, he really bored his heart out, but I didn't really want to know <laughs> what he had up there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like him. I think he's. Uh, I think he gets he takes he takes too much. People give him too much shit for him and Watts take too much shit for. I well, mean, they they're calling a, a trillion a trillion games, and they haven't they know enough about every, every about every team. I think that little to. roundup he does at like the halftime of games from like the game the past weekend. Yeah. I think he's fantastic when he does that. Yeah, I, yeah everyone likes to give him crap too. because he's like the, the because him and Watts are like the league announcers, so they like give him crap, and I think that's I think it's unjustified. No, he he, he revels in. It. He's a button pusher. He he loves getting that that um. He's like the USL version of Lawless. Oh, he likes yeah. He he likes shit posting well, yeah. too. He loves oh, yeah. shit posting yeah, and getting it. Detroit people riled up. The um. The indie game commentary was not quite that weird, but they were basically treating it like a baseball game in a rain delay, just doing like trivia and shit all game. It was, it was like they, like they were just so bored they were watching that they didn't even bother. Well, it was, I mean, it was kind of a shit game though, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I guess we'll use this as a chance to, to move into the the good old 4 1 ass whooping of, of the Miami. I don't know what everyone else's favorite part of it was. Uh, to to me, just the idea of, of three goals from from defenders, depending on how your Venn diagram of of corner corner kicks and set pieces work, uh, either three goals from set pieces or one set piece goal and two corner kick goals. Um, just everything. As someone who's a huge you know proponent of every corner as a goal, it was it was just a it was a beautiful two hours of my life. And, yeah, um, John Yakum's Jen he really it. spoke that to life, man. He's pushed that the last couple of years. Yeah, he was he, <laughs> he had his heyday. Hey, you you could be wrong eighty five games in a row, but that one game you're right. Damn, it feels good. Broken clocks right twice a day. Mm-hmm. Get in the yeah. No, it was oh, um, <sighs> and as someone who was who was calling for for goals off the big meaty forehead of Jelani Peters. That was also preseason predictions finally coming true. I loved it. They were like fuck you goals too. Like they were such strong hits off the head and his boot. Like you know, they you know, making his presence known. Like I'm here, I'm going to put the back of the net and carry us, you know, to another win. Can I say my of of all those my favorite was the the free kick. Uh, yeah, what the heck was that? That was Bob, man. He really drew that one up. Yeah, and then or yeah, the little back heel from Ordonez and the shot, the rebound, and, and Peter's blasting home. There is something very satisfying about about absolutely blistering a shot into the net, in which there's already two defenders on their asses in the goal before you shoot before you even score, and that's <laughs> what that goal gave us, and it was beautiful. Two defenders already dumped in there off the off the first shot, and then. Uh, and then just absolutely blister tits one in for the goal. Prolific striker Shane Wheat, uh, he blew him away on that first shot. Yeah, and then he finally got his just rewards later on with his, the uh, Shane his Wheat, sweet little. Uh, the Shane Wheat apology tour starts today. That's uh, That was where we're going to get to next. <laughs> I'm glad you knew where that was going. He started it in Indy. His his chest down with the, the ball was the, the catalyst for, for that goal. Uh, and, he'll, he'll fuck it up. 
he's good for uh, letting one bounce over his head. But I mean, for and he justifiably took some shit. Um, I think we were all calling him the, the the team punching bag there for a while, and he and justifiably so he was taking some shit. But he's had a good uh, good past ten days or so as a hound. Um, is this is this just the the ebb and flow of, of Shane Week? Because we've seen positive runs from us before, and we've all seen negative runs. So is he just the inconsistent player who's going to be frustrating at times, and then and then just wonderful at other times, or is this is it something else? I mean, I guess it remains to be seen. Every dog has their day. I don't think he's, but as a defender, I don't think he's ever, I think when he made team of the week in Memphis week one, but he's never had a defensive performance where I've been like, Shane, we played well tonight. You know, it's every time we talk about Shane, we, it's because it's on the other side of the field. His, he, how he transitions the ball up and, and yeah, it has a nice little hit. Maybe he would be better like a, like a holding midfielder rather than a defenseman, but yeah. Yeah, and he still got caught. He still got caught watching on that that last goal. <laughs> there we go. There it is. There it is. There it is. I yeah, mean, I it's told not, you I it's couldn't true. save up. Well, the whole back line gave up a little, little too quickly. And they stand there. I just don't. I, I, I just don't understand how you don't press the ball. They just stay. They let the ball dribble on the top of their team. They just stand there. So, I guess the question after we go these these three wins in three games, one goal conceded in you know, what, 265 minutes and 30 seconds or something like that. Uh, we'll just make it, the question's real simple. We'll go with, with Logan here to answer first. Are the Hounds back, yes or no? They never left. I like that answer. It, although, although if you, you would confiscate my phone and look at text messages to some of my close friends that, appease me and text me about the hounds um after the tampa game i may have had a different opinion but as of right now the hounds the hounds never left they're back they're they're, they're not back they, they're they're better than ever i i i don't think that's a sincere answer and i don't agree with it but we'll let it go <laughs> vesti hounds back yes or no i will take logan's they never left but uh caveat that what they never left at home it remains to be seen what they're going to do on the road yeah i agree and that's what i'm worried about for this weekend uh, i don't want to jump ahead with that game but i, I think we're i think we're at a good point to naturally segue into that for the pod honestly oh we're, well, we're, uh, we were doing if, news if we are, first well if we if we are going to uh segue into it i do just want to give a shout out to uh toby sims uh on the miami game i thought he looked real good uh, uh dude getting, can ball yeah getting more playtime lately so glad to see that uh, yeah that that first goal was was fantastic second goal to the ball he played in uh well, let's bring that question because i have my thought and i think I, I might be on the the minority on this thought was sims's shot slash assist was that going to go in without russell cicerone again on it or would it would maybe be but you but you could not risk that's i'm not, not i'm not yes in. or no no maybes I'll just say no because I think I think Cicerone has to tap that in. Uh, you can't just let that go. We're not out here to, to give individual guys goals. We're here to score goals. So I think you had to tap it in. So I'm going to say no. Vesti, was that a poach goal or, or was it necessary? 
Uh, I thought it was poached at the time, but I think it was necessary. There was a defender right there that I, I think he would have got to it if it wasn't tapped in by uh, uh, what's his face? Cicerone. <laughs> Cicerone. <laughs> he I'm, loves the pizza. He loves the pasta. You could say that the lad is the fucking lad's right. fucking magic. I tell you what, uh, in the stands that they're celebrating the goal, he was looking up in the crowd uh, in kind of like a you know let's go sort of sort of look on his face and. Swear to God, we locked eyes, fist bumped each other, and it was the closest to greatness ever been. Yes, he's probably looking for Serino. He, he and Serino have that, you know. Yeah, that yeah. Kitchen, that, little, that energy, the, the little Italian energy. Yeah, the Italian en- energy. Yeah. <laughs> well, how about the, the the Scottish dudes there on the uh, on the indie game? There was guys. There was a Scottish and a British guy at the Tampa game. So I don't know where we got this contingent of the British Isles, but I fucking love it. It's yeah. fantastic. They they bring fantastic energy. Uh, the British guy, the Scottish guy that came to to the Tampa game were were cool as hell. So yeah, I'm, I'm down. Keep yeah, there's a su- surprising number of expats in the Pittsburgh area. Apparently, they all end up at the Hounds game at some point. Yeah, as long as they keep showing up, uh, more of that because then they they bring whatever chance that they know, and then we get hot on them, and we remember maybe a third of the ones they bust out, and hopefully keep that. I mean, we busted out something that that they used on the indie game. We busted out for the Miami game. Oh, it was the uh, the, the, the Alex Dixon. S- yeah, Starman waiting in the yeah. sky. His name is Alex Dixon, and he's fucking that away. That was yep. a good one. I like that one. And when the Scottish and the British guy came to the Tampa game, they showed up at like 3.45 to the tailgate and drank beers with us until 10 o'clock at night. But nice. they they were in the parking lot beforehand, and they asked me for a preview of the game, and I said, Tampa, Pittsburgh, two perennial powerhouses. Don't be surprised if this ends nil-nil. <laughs> and then uh, we walked out with a 5-2 scoreline, and I was walking out, and I saw the, the British guy, and I put my arm around him, and I said, hey, buddy, I said, you know, I said, I was pretty wrong in that nil-nil. And he goes, yeah, buddy, you were really fucking wrong. <laughs> he goes, it was gone in 13 minutes. So <laughs> that was that was the highlight of, of my night. It's really fucking wrong. I love it. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, well, uh, I'll let's decide now do we want to go into hounds news or we just want to take it straight into uh new mexico first and then save the news for later let's do new mexico and then we'll we'll round her out with the news okay let's uh let's do that so the next game up for the hounds is this saturday a 9 p.m start here on the on the east coast because they're playing out in in albuquerque hounds Hounds versus dark yeah a little hounds after dark action finally New Mexico, stat-wise, is running very similar to the Hounds in terms of possession numbers and uh, attacking numbers, XG4, XG conceded, um, looking very, very similar. And their position on the table is very similar. The Hounds are, um, New Mexico is playing right now their scoreless with uh, Tulsa, who we're going to be playing uh, two weeks from now. But at the live t- table on this Wednesday night, New Mexico sits fifth place in the west on uh 31 points on 18 games played again that 18th game is is right now uh hounds on 19 games 33 points in fourth place in the east um again hounds are scored uh 32 goals over those 19 games new mexico's 
scored a lot less, but they've conceded a lot less. Uh, scoring 26, conceded 14 over their 17-plus games, we can say now. Uh, and for people who have not watched much of New Mexico, uh, the Hounds are going back to another baseball stadium, uh, the home of the Albuquerque Isotopes, uh, the lab, as they like to call it, is uh, where New Mexico plays. And in terms of former Hounds, kind of a big one on the on the opposition, Nico Brett, uh, kind of leading the line for for New Mexico right now. Uh, Vesti, we'll start with you. What are, what are your your kind of top line items for this game against New Mexico? Well, being a Western Conference team, I don't really have a lot because you know I don't watch them. Uh, I just kind of know them tangentially through you know the the league zeitgeist that when they first came in the league, they were a crazy high scoring, also giving up a lot of goals team. Like it was always crazy score lines coming out of there. They seemed like they were really fun. Um, they seemed like they did generally like a, a top team in the West, good fan base. They have probably some of the best style in the USL as far as like kits and branding and all that stuff. So like, I don't really have any, Nothing in specific I'm looking for, no real expectations, just you know, looking forward to playing a a good Western Conference team, hopefully getting a result. But you know, as I alluded to earlier, being on the road, uh a little nervous about how this is gonna go. Uh good good shot on the crowd. This might be the biggest crowd that the Hounds will play in front of this year. Uh New Mexico generally depending on on things, usually first or second in the league in attendance on a weekly basis. Um, so probably well over 10,000 will be there. Probably good chance it might be close to 13,000. Um, yeah, if I can find the thing real quick. I think they're averaging around 10. Yeah, they, they're they averaging, yeah, f- uh, five digits, but they get some games where they're, they're up over that pretty well. Logan, what are your, your kind of top-of-the-line thoughts as the Hounds travel to New, to New Mexico. I think a win could be very, very big. Um, haven't fared that great against West Coast, or not West Coast, Western Conference teams the past couple of years when they started the the interleague play. So it'd be nice to get a win. But like it, Just harp on everything you guys said. Huge crowd. Um, see how much of an impact Nico has on the game. Obviously, we saw him for two years. Man has has the ability to really change a game by himself. So with our defense kind of uh, unsteady, um, maybe kind of turns your stomach a little bit because, um, like I said, he can really turn a game on its head by himself pretty easily. So contain him and, and, you know, we'll deal with the rest. Hopefully, you know, we saw the offense start to come alive a little bit. Hopefully that uh, that starts to click. Um, interested. I don't want to spoil our next segment, but – see if uh, maybe we can get the Hounds new player in the 18. Um, love to see him in the mix. So, Vesti, have you looked up uh, whatever number you're trying to find there? Um, it's outdated, but they're somewhere around a 10,000 average. Uh, their first season was 12, with Sacramento kind of dropping off a bit after MLS exploded. New Mexico's leading the league in attendance uh, at, at the moment, so probably, kind of, like kind of surprising that that Louisville's not doing that. But I just saw someone online about excuses why Louisville's not pulling the numbers that everyone thought they'd pull right now. 
Yeah, they are not really justifying the the large stadium, uh, as far as I've been able to see for Louisville. That's a shame. But that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, (laughs) we'll save that. Uh, Another thing to keep in mind, and this will be very important when we get to the 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 ass end of the of the season because there's a lot of Western Conference teams at the end. But if you go down the the list of tiebreakers, uh, at some point you, know, you get uh, this year. There's there's head to head that's gonna that will be interesting to come into play, and then you're looking at wins and goal differential and stuff. Uh, but as you work your way down the line, it is your record against teams in your conference. So it basically throws out the the cross conference games. So in a certain sense these these cross conference games mean just a little less than the the ones in your conference if you, if you're working way down that tiebreaker i wouldn't suspect that that bob would consider that in terms of what kind of live he puts out or trying trying to rest guys but uh just something to, to keep in mind as we weave our way through this season especially with the hounds splitting the two games with Detroit, which would be the first tiebreaker, so that's going to be a, a, a be a wash. That's going to go to wins, and they're going to a, a, uh, one win off of each other. So these these Western games in the record in the Western games compared to your in in conference record could end up meaning something as we work away to the end of the season. And again, the Hounds have a lot of those Western games at the end of the year, uh, so they're that part of the tiebreaker might be set for the Hounds. Uh, with three weeks left to play, really. Uh, before we get to the news, there was something I looked up yesterday. I was a little bored at work, and I wanted to, because I was curious about something, and it dealt with one of the questions we asked before the, the season started. And now we're halfway through the year. Good time to refresh it. One of those preseason questions was how many unique goal scorers will the Hounds have this year, uh, league and, and cup? And I doubt you guys have that number in front of you, so I will I will ask each of you, how many different players do you think, how many different Hounds have scored this year? Logan, what's your guess? Nine. Vesti? Seven. The answer is 12. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. So, who had that answer in our in our preview show? Let me uh, let me go through the list here. <clears throat> it was okay. Oh, where are you at here? Yeah. We are nothing but a organized podcast. Yes. Oh, here we go. Okay, question 15. Question 15. <laughs> oh, yeah, because one list I have the answers on one question, separate piece of paper of the, of the actual questions. So the, the guesses for everyone was 9, 10, 14, and 14, and we're already at 12. Were Vesti and I 14 and 14? Uh, no, Vesti was the nine. I was 10. You and Starina were 14. Hey, Kajin. I was real gung ho, but I was pretty confident it was just going to be a small number racking them up. Yeah. Well, I mean, after this past game, Peters gets on the board. Um, Wheat gets on the board. 
Toby Sims scoring goals in the in the cup kind of added to it a bit. Uh, so a, a handful of guys on one goal right now. But then the top end, you have three guys each with six or more, which is nice. Well, speaking of goal scorers. Oh, there we go. <laughs> you, just want, you want to lead this one off? Or? Oh, geez, no, because I don't remember his first name. <laughs> Edward Kiza. Edward Kiza, the man from Pittsburgh, played three years at Pitt, sat out uh, his COVID year. I guess he was was training or doing something. MLS Combine, 21st overall pick, I believe. 24th, maybe somewhere in that range. To New England. Uh, played in USL League 1 last year with New England 2 on loan this year with Memphis. Uh, did not get a lot of playing time. Uh, was introduced to, to Eddie very early in my soccer fandom. Um, 2018, I want to say. Maybe 2019. End of 2019, um, went to the Pitt NC State first round of the ACC tournament, uh, and, and he had a, a walk-off sudden death goal um, that kind of got me introduced to him um, and was a big fan of him. So was very, very happy to, to see him back in Pittsburgh, and I think now the only discussion is uh, how he, he fits. You know, we have to sit two forwards a night, basically. Um Unfortunately, as much as I love William E. Yang, I think that this pretty much spells spells the end of him. Unfortunately, but you think the um, secret the secret weapon remains a secret forever uh, in Pittsburgh. <laughs> I I mean I he he did get a decent I wasn't decent he got a shot and he played the Maryland game and was not impressed. So I think that was probably his one shot he had to impress. Yeah. So uh, Ed Kiza. Uh, as he said, he was with Memphis earlier in this year. Eight appearances, all of them off the bench for 111 minutes. So basically just getting those last you know, 10, 15 minutes per, per game type of setup. Uh, Bob has been he, – he's trained with the Hounds when he was with Pitt, so he knows Bob. He knows kind of what the expectations will be. My concern for this – is and who knows what Bob's agreements are with with New England, but if if Kiza is leaving Memphis ostensibly because he's not getting the minutes, and either he wants more minutes or New England wants more minutes for him, is there even a, a remote possibility where where he's being guaranteed or New England's being guaranteed that that he will see some sort of minimum amount of minutes to for him to come to Pittsburgh? Because that seems like a very not Bob thing to do, but if a guy's leaving one loan situation for another, you you might think that there's some sort of attachment to a to a minutes minimum form. Or am I reading too far into that? I would assume there's the understanding he he's going to play more than he did in Memphis. Um, I don't necessarily think they would attach a like a hard minimum number to it. But if you, I mean, if you look at our our roster, you know, of pure forwards, anyways, like you know, Yang's ship's kind of sailed. Borso's not here anymore. And then you have like Dequa and Ciceroni who've been playing almost every game. Like at some point, we gotta probably start rotating them a bit more to get some rest, since we are barely over the halfway point. 
So, and then Kelly, Kelly's minutes been kind of down lately anyways. But it seems like so Kelly I, and, and Deke were, are splitting one position on the field. Like one comes off for the other at this point. All right. Then, then he splits with Cicerone and Cicerone gets the rest and is not playing, you know, 80 plus minutes for like the last like eight games or whatever, you know? So I don't, I don't think I, with, with how much Bob rotates and of course with having five subs these days, I don't think it's uh, as big of a deal to give him minutes. Um, and clearly with that scoring drought we had for a while, you know, who, long, who knows how long the, the, the talks have been going on to get him here. Bob probably thinks we need something to, to get some more goals going. Logan, do you think there's a chance that Bob gets away from, from the one guy up top? And now, now that he has Dequa, Dane, Kiza, Ian, uh Russell. Yeah, I, I don't feel like Russell's playing that like all the way up top position too often. He's tucked in a little bit further back. Shane Wheat. Yeah, Shane, Shane Wheat. Wheat. Yeah. Jelani Peters. <laughs> Jelani Peters, clearly. Uh, I don't know. I, Is there a I chance yeah, think... we get like two guys pushed up front now? I just I just don't think Bob would have, like we said, I don't think Bob would have bothered to to make the move if he doesn't have a plan for him. So I I think he sees time. That or maybe it's all the Bob Chess game, and he's just using this poor guy just to bring in another guy that could be a, a very good USL level striker just to try to light a fire under the Cicerones and the the Kellys. Back to, to I know this is jumping around about, but Dan Kelly twice off the crossbar in, in ten seconds. That's that's rough. Yeah, that just means he's due for one. Yeah, oh, he's, the man is definitely due. I'll take an 88th minute in New Mexico. By the way, New Mexico is now up one nothing on Tulsa in the 60 second right. minute. Do you think it's uh, early enough or too early to see him this weekend? Uh, Without knowing so. what his fitness level is, because how much t- training he's had in Memphis or how long he's been back, because he was off of Memphis's roster last week already, so. Who knows if he was in back in New England training or if he's been with the Hounds for the past week, just unannounced. Um, I think, yeah, what his fitness level is would probably dictate that. If he's fit, I imagine he's traveling. But we will, we will have to see. And I, how he gets inserted into this into the squad, I think could be really interesting. Again, I'm holding out some thought that, that Bob might go two guys up top. Cause if he, I mean, if he doesn't now you, you, you've got him, Dequa and Dane basically fighting for, for one spot, you know, yeah. or, or one of those guys gets pushed back into like an attacking midfield type setup or more of like more of a 10. So that would not right striker, but something's going to change. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Hey, uh, to sidestep it a bit and to 
potentially less interesting but ever-present question. Do you think uh, Jamali Waite gets his fourth start in a row this weekend? I am kidding. Okay. Um, Do we have our keeper? Those are not the same question because I think they might be different answers. <laughs> hey, Silver never got more than two starts in a row. I think Jamal, and I Jamali Waite is now the number one keeper for the Hounds. His distribution, I, and I noticed this during the indie game. His his distribution was was on point. He is becoming more vocal and more commanding of the back line. I think it's his job now. With that said, that doesn't mean that the backup Silva doesn't get a start in, in New Mexico. I think both things could be true. Fair enough. Logan, you've gone quiet all of a sudden. <laughs> There is a professional soccer keeper from Jamaica who went to the University of Connecticut who is arguably the best in the MLS at the moment. So I think uh, Jamali is following in his footsteps. And uh, I think he, I'll answer both questions. I think he's the number one, and I think he gets his start this weekend. I'm excited that, that, at least in my mind, I think that the goalie controversy is coming to a close because... I mean, clearly, if you listen to the show on a weekly basis, it was something I've been harping on. My annoyance that, that Bob couldn't make up his mind about who was whose job it was. But I feel like Jim always put two hands around it and made it his now. Or what do you think Anthony Mwembe is doing nowadays? <sighs> Selling insurance? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. I feel bad, man. I, I, he 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 was a nice guy. I wish he had a chance, man. We've we've had all these like third string goalies back in the day that we probably could kind of use right now. Hey, Bob, Bob, don't give a fuck about goalies, man. Nah, man, he you'll, just don't. You'll you'll get signed a week before the season, and you'll like it. And then you'll get you'll get shipped out of NB. You'll get benched two weeks later, and you will, you will not. You, we will not overpay for you, so you can go to Sacramento or wherever. Not to call it individual keepers that should still be in Pittsburgh, but you know, maybe he I'm had a he had a he had a rough night the other night. He's still having a decent season. He is, he is, but he's a quality keeper. You you'd take him back right now, wouldn't you? Eh, for the right price, I wouldn't pay for him. Oh, spoken like a true Bob, right there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a few former hounds doing pretty good out there, which is, uh, I guess you could take it either way if it's a good or bad thing. Yeah. Uh, now, Kiza is currently the only the new member of the Riverhounds organization, but he might not be the last this week. Um, scuttlebutt no. going around the around the, the interwebs that that the the hounds' new president has been lined up and and could be announced soon. Um, I don't think we, I don't think we're at liberty to say a name, at all. What I would, yeah, we'll, we'll keep it. We'll keep it under wraps. Um, what I would encourage people good. to do is just look on Twitter and find out who all your favorite local, Pittsburgh-based soccer people who have suddenly started following and how and that person was starting to follow a bunch of Pittsburgh-based soccer accounts on Twitter, and that might lead you to an answer. Uh, mobile Twitter shows who you follow chronologically, so it's pretty easy to figure out if you know the right accounts to look at. Um, but if it's who we think he is, uh, 
or she. We'll talk about this when he. When, yeah, or she. True. We 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 can't can't roll out. Um, it's a, it's a great hire. So uh, we'll we'll get into that more if and when the the hire is announced. Yes, but but I, we it, have a we have a beat and we are happy with the direction that the search is going. I think we can say. And this goes beyond just present. If you're ever curious uh, about soon to be hires or soon new players coming to the Hounds in the off season. A great way is just to see who starts following whom on Twitter all of a sudden over like a, a string of accounts. It gives it away more often than not. And that's your Unless little... you're pressing kill wine's dad, and then you're just a troll. <laughs> that's I mean that's how we found out about him though. Was his dad started following us two weeks out or something like that. Yeah. So Twitter but Twitter yeah, followers it, it, is is the inside baseball to figure out who's going where in, in the USL. Yeah, if it is who we're pretty sure it is, uh, basically go back to that episode where we talked about Vic leaving and all of our wish lists, and this person seems to hit everything we wanted. So I think we'll all be happy whenever they finally get around to actually announcing it. Yeah, but uh, we'll yeah we'll have that full conversation when when the hire is actually announced. Elsewhere in USL land, another hot rumor is that. We are now getting into the expansion chat part of the season where, where cities and villages start getting announces future homes for USL Championship or USL League One. Uh, they've already announced Santa Barbara for League One the other day. There was another announcement. Uh, we're recording Wednesday night, but there's another announcement scheduled for Thursday. There's a couple different places that might be. It could be you know, Knoxville's being announced as a potential move up from League Two to League One. Uh, but that's not totally uh, interesting for us as a championship team. But what is interesting on a championship side is there is a hot hot take or the hot word around lower league Twitter is that New Orleans has joined the league, and it's just a matter of question of, of when they announce it, not if they announce it. So assuming that, that New Orleans is joining the championship sometime in the next two to three seasons, uh, what's your your first thoughts about it, Logan? We'll start with you. Uh, great addition. Very fun away day. Um, obviously, passionate fan base down there. Um, was one of those kind of no-brainer markets that has never been tapped. And then, Vesti, what are, you, what, what are your first thoughts on all things New Orleans if it comes to pass? Yeah, it'd be it'd be a good get. Um, it's definitely a hole in the the soccer landscape uh, that that sort of area of the Gulf Coast. They have a and they've have had an NPSL team for a while, the New Orleans Jesters, and a couple years ago they were continually brought up about oh they should be a USL club or they should move up or you know whatever the the league was at the time and that's died down for a while so i completely forgot about it but then um yeah when the the the, uh, the rumors are starting to fly on twitter this week it makes a lot of sense looking forward to it it's uh you know the could be a very fun away day for us if you want to make that trip down there i i did one long weekend in new orleans 2019 i think it was um January or February of 2019, I was down there for a long weekend, and I love that place. So, 
there's a couple different chats about where uh, a couple different chats about where what stadium they might use or where in, in town they might be. But I mean, if they're anywhere in the heart of the city whatsoever, uh, that's that's gonna make for a hell of, a, of an away day. And uh, assuming it's it's a weekend, I can make it work. I that will be for that first Hounds at New Orleans game for sure. In um, less, uh, I guess, definitive expansion talk too that that's popped up within the last week. Just to to mention more locally, there's been some more smoke around Baltimore. Um, some group is looking at stadium sites apparently, with the blessing of the mayor, and they mentioned in the article that it would be for USL Championship, USL. W, one of the women's leagues. I think they're and talking an academy. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, some more smoke about some local teams. Hopefully, one of them actually appears. And at Baltimore, we that's get, we, they're doing some sort of actual like feasibility study. So that's that's a little bit more than just the normal kind of rah rah you get with a, a you know a newspaper article where they're you know exploring some land or they have ideas, but. So they're taking kind of the next step. So Baltimore might be somewhat down the line, but it's a little more firm to you know anything we've heard, especially with Cleveland, because that's just the same. You know, guy has intellectual property marks on something, or he's showing interest. But so Baltimore's taking at least the first real step in in showing interest of of making this work. Yeah, Cleveland really fell off the map there uh, during COVID. But uh, the Baltimore stuff, it looks like it's the standard USL game plan the, these days of stadium slash mixed-use shops and apartments and whatever, which, uh, you know, they've had some, they've had success getting them approved. I don't think any of them have actually opened yet, so we'll, we'll see. Yeah, but uh, we will move on now to a quick, quick little look at, at the old table. Um, updated now because Tulsa is now scored against New Mexico in the 70th minute uh, own goal. So Tulsa and New Mexico are, are level right now. But looking at the at the table in the east, right now it's Louisville City, Memphis, Tampa, uh, the beloved Detroit, Birmingham, and then Miami rounds out the top seven. Uh, then you draw your red line, and then you have Tulsa and uh, Indy, and then a bit of a drop-off to Hartford and the two teams in Charleston. So, uh, my question to everyone now: the Hound, uh, the Hounds are at this point six points from first place and ten points from the drop out of the playoffs. Is everyone comfortable with the Hounds are after this little six-game skid and three-game rebound? Is everyone fairly convinced that the Hounds are in the top seven come the end of the season? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Okay. So then, the, the I think the the more important or the more real question. Wait, did Vest United do that at the same time, or is that an echo? Am I? No, no. You both said yes at the same time. Oh, probably Jesus. the closest. Probably the closest to jinxing we can do on a Zoom call. Yeah. Yeah. yeah wow. Well, so impressive. the next question, and, and that's the correct answer because uh, they're not dropping out because Bob doesn't miss the playoffs. So my question, the more important question, your playoff teams right now: Louisville, Memphis, Tampa, Hounds, Detroit, Birmingham, V. 
are those the seven teams in the playoffs come um, late October? Basically, the only, the yeah. only two teams that have a, a shot right now to usurp is Tulsa and Indy. Can one of those nah, Indy's gonna Indy's gonna continue to slide. Tulsa's not very good. No, I think what you see is what you get right now. Those are the top seven teams. I agree. I, I think Tulsa's too much of a mixed bag to to get over the line. And I mean, if you look at the the results from Saturday, everybody above the playoff line won. So it seems like this whole group's just kind of go uh, run away with it, and then it'll just be a matter of how the, this top seven sorts out. Tulsa I find interesting because Sam Doors come in as the new president, uh, kicked the coach to the curb, traded a solid starter to Indy in exchange for a keeper, a backup keeper. Um, really weird move on his part. He's now hinting online that he has some new signs come in. Uh, so I feel like they've taken some some major steps back in terms of roster construction, but who knows who they bring in in the next couple days or so. But at this point, they're running out. You know, they're right now drawed even with New Mexico. They're four points out of the playoffs with an extra game played over Miami. I agree that Indy has Indy's out uh, unless things really turn around, and they've shown no real propensity to do that. And if anyone's watching kind of the, the scuttlebutt on Twitter. Uh, Indy's a bit of a tire fire on and off the field, so couldn't happen to a better group of people, if I may say so. <laughs> uh, so I think if there's anyone that could do it, it's Tulsa. They have an outside shot. <sighs> Miami, again, they just picked up a win over tonight. They beat Charleston. I would say not a big deal, but clearly the Hounds couldn't do that, so kind of a big deal. And then Birmingham is scuttling a little bit, and then it's Detroit and us kind of tied in that four or five spot so i at the best one team tulsa flips either miami or birmingham out of the spot but i think that's even also unlikely we um we talked about it i mean before i i feel like there's still the chance that detroit could keep tumbling down um you know they they are starting to struggle a bit compared to their first quarter of the season and, and the thing with uh, Detroit, they still have to play Tampa twice and Louisville twice. Yeah, so I mean, they they have built up a cushion, and it might be enough. Uh, but I could, I could still see them tumbling the second half of the season. The second half of their left. schedule is much more difficult than the first half, for sure. Yeah. So, and if they, you did a, like a strength of schedule going here on out, I wouldn't be shocked if Detroit was the, the most difficult of the playoff teams left. Yeah, and their keepers really carrying them. Um, so that's like, I mean, they've always been kind of like one injury away from really tumbling because they just don't have a, a deep roster. So I, any of the top seven are going to fall out. I actually think it might be them still with maybe Miami as my second choice. But I hate that they have the the, the hardest schedule going in because that's going to give the fans the, we, we have the, the league hates us. We have the the hardest schedule. They did it on purpose. Oh, they they're kind of sh- they have their no matter what. They're, they're either you know Nice All Stars us against the world. Can't believe this is happening. We're we're, we're you know we're punching above our weight, which would immediately turn into a big conspiracy against us at the same time. So what? Whatever. 
it's, yeah, a, it's, a, it's a conspiracy against Detroit, but also obviously we would put Detroit on ESPN because we're the big draw. So of course there would be a conspiracy against the big draw because that's how leagues work, right? And we talked earlier about uh, Devin Curry being a button pusher. He's constantly getting in it with Detroit fans on Twitter because you know he's been you know saying the like kind of the obvious like you know you guys are kind of average, your keepers carrying you, blah blah blah, and then they get so defensive about it. But they know it's true too. That's why they because they'll use because if they get bounced in the playoffs, they'll make the exact same excuses that everyone else was making that everyone was pointing on. Now they'll they'll point those same thing that the same things out. But oh well, I mean, I would not complain if Detroit fell out at all. That'd be pretty sweet. I, I, I've already kind of accepted that Pittsburgh Detroit that was not the and June fourth was not the last twenty twenty two Pittsburgh Detroit game. Uh, uh, as long as the game's played in Pittsburgh. Yeah, as long as they're below us in the standings. Yeah. Uh, so we'll we'll wrap this bad boy up with um, a couple Steel Army notes. Uh, one uh, for everyone involved hey. with Pride Razor. First off, thank you. Um, we did set a, a a nice tally or a Steel Army record for a per goal donation tally, and then obviously. Uh, popping in some goals against the Red Bulls on July 1st helped with a lot to bring that that tally up to six goals on the month. Uh, you should have received an email from from Pride Razor uh, as to where you can make your donation. If you haven't done so yet, please get on that so we can we can close our books on on the matter. Um, it looks like we will not be able to do do the bus for Loudon on that holiday weekend, so we're gonna have to do the old. Uh, the old caravan out to, to Leesburg. Uh, so we'll have to start organizing that. Uh, shame we couldn't get the, the bus to work, but it, too many things started conspiring against us to, to make it feasible, uh, sadly. Um, outside of that, unless you two guys have anything, nothing that kind of puts a bow on all things Stew Army news for uh, for the moment. Logan, did you yeah. want to talk about a certain Western Conference coach before we leave? Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I'll mention it. Um, a certain, yeah, a certain Western Conference uh, American soccer former American soccer star uh, scored a pretty big goal um, against Algeria back in the day. Uh, big, big fan to, of the Mexican national team. Yeah, big fan of the Mexican national team and Wells Fargo Bank's money. Uh, re- likes to use the word "fuck" a lot. Um, which I, if he was just a random dude that got put on it, like somehow like Ted lassoed his way onto a USL team. I think that he would not use such vulgar language, but it does kind of piss me off a little bit that because he has the, the background that he does, he thinks he can kind of throw that, that weight around in second division, American soccer. Um, which I, honestly, I didn't even see the call that he was talking about. I, I didn't watch the highlights of the game. Oh, but, it was, it was bad. That, uh, the red card got turned over today, by the way. That's how bad that call was. It got turned over. I think you got to keep your emotions. And like I said, I think if he's if he's not Landon Donovan, the American soccer star, I think he checks his language. But to drop five or six F-bombs in front of the media, I think is always a pretty pretty rough look. Be curious how Apparently, much he gets fined for that, that little tirade he gave. Apparently, uh, strong rumor that he's on his way out of the league, too. Oh, he's in contention for the uh, was it the San Jose job? Green, yeah. yeah, the greener pastures. Yeah, he played there for a couple of years, didn't he? I don't know. Is that is that greener pastures? Yeah, they're not they're not not the greatest. 
Speaking of uh, former early 2000s uh, soccer stars, Wayne Rooney gets a draw in his debut tonight. No, he's, he's not the coach yet. He's not yet. No. I, I was. Oh, I thought he was taking over. All right. I, I he is taking over. Uh, they can't get his work visa squared away yet, so he's he's not actually employed right, well, yet. Well, care, caretaker manager gets a, a huge tomorrow goal in the 90 plus two to get the one point. Beautiful. Well, we, uh, we've taken this, this little shindig to about 70 minutes. Um, let me see. Where the, are they still? Yeah. Okay. Oh, no. Mexico just scored again. Boom. A penalty. Nico Brett? No. Bertillo. Penalty. Damn. I want Nico Brett to score so my... My, he can put the game on its head at any time. Can kind of come true. Large. Okay. Well, let's. L- l- I'll I'll pose that question as as our way to take this bad boy home. Uh, one, it's kind of the the same as the Romeo Parks question I've asked before because it's something that weighs on my mind way too much. Um, one, does Nico Brett score against the Hounds? And two, if he does, does he celebrate it? No. Yeah, well, Jesus, that's a two-part question. Yes, yes, he's yes, he scores. No, he he was never a big celebration guy. He was always just like a, you know, what a Carmelo or was it? No, um, Mario Balotelli. Or was that where he was like the mailman doesn't celebrate to deliver mail? Was that the quote? Something like that. Some of that effect. Uh, Problem is, if, if yeah. you ever look on on Instagram, uh, Nico Brett is a huge fan of Nico Brett. <laughs> <laughs> Fair, but no, I feel like he follows he follows that. Uh, that uh, that tagline. So no, I don't think he celebrates. All right, Vesti, does he score against the Hounds? Yeah, I say he scores because that's just how it goes for us. Uh, so I'll say he scores, but I agree he won't celebrate it. And um, also, we completely skimmed it over. Romeo Parks making an appearance in Miami over the weekend. Oh Did yes, jack shit. He, no, yeah, he made a cameo, but at that point the game was out of hand, so I didn't. I didn't. I, my my sphincter didn't you know pucker at all when he came to the game because I mean it would have sucked if he scored but it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been devastating because if you former hounds at six forty five I was convinced since twenty eighteen that was that's his first appearance at Highmark as an away player interesting yeah former hounds only score on us when it matters for them um no because Angulo scored for Hartford but it was already the game was already blown out. No. But he also, yeah, but Tyler Pasher scored the, the 2020 goal you already talked about. Yeah, and then there's Pasher who just absolutely yeah killed us. <sighs> fun trip down memory lanes, guys. Fun, fun trip. Um, yeah. Uh, again, reminder, the New Mexico game is at 9 p.m., Little Hounds after dark. I would suggest get, uh, if you don't have anything going on, get down to, get down to Bulldog, take over that. Take over the the bar for a, a nice uh, Saturday night match. Um, if you got the uh, if you have the ability for the outdoor screen set up in your backyard, do that. Enjoy the some outdoor hounds viewing. It's been I think the last time we did that was when they played in Phoenix pre Phoenix Rising days. Two uh, clubs ago. Yeah, two clubs ago. I mean that was a good time. So if you have the chance to do that, definitely try to do that. Uh, guys, any last words before we take this bad boy home? Nope. None for me. Beautiful. 
We'd like to thank the Beautiful Game Network for providing the online hosting for Houndsy. Check out the wealth of soccer content being produced weekly at bgn.fm. The Houndsy theme music was composed and performed by Rocketman and the Space Babies. Check them out at facebook.com slash spacebabiespgh. On his side, uh, our good guy who, or good man who actually did the, the composing, Matt Needles, another uh, Steel Army member. His band, the Argonauts, had an album release party this past Saturday at Mr. Small's. Sounds like it went really well. Obviously, it was a little conflict with the Hounds game, so I couldn't get down there, but good ups to him for, for what sounded like a pretty successful night at Mr. Small's. This show is produced by Joe Majorak. Email the show at steelarmypgh at gmail.com and put podcasts in the subject line. All complaints about the show can be sent to nick.noble at mail.wvu.edu. On behalf of Logan and Vesti, I'm Dan Yost. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back again soon.